Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're recording. Welcome, everyone, to the Rink Rat Report podcast. Recording this one, January 4th, 2024, the second episode of the 2024 part of the season. As always, joined by my co-host, Jason. How's it going, everyone? Uh, two, what is it? Two losses, then two wins? OT, two uh, one and one OT last four games? Columbia. Yeah. Two one and one last four games. Vibes are high because we're coming off two wins. Mm-hmm. Martin Jones starts back to back games, wins both. Like, Looks lots good. to talk about today. Lots, Looks lots to talk good. about. Lots to talk about as we get into the trade deadline season as well. Yeah. So we're gonna talk about. Uh, we're gonna get into the last four games, mainly the last two yeah. that are in uh, that were in California. Uh, a little bit about Carolina and uh, what's the Columbus. other one? Columbus. Yep. Um, the West. So the West Coast trip. Nylander contract update, and then we're gonna get into some trade deadline needs and wants. What is attainable? Potentially, who are some targets? But first, we wanna give a shout out to our friends over at Manscaped. I actually don't even have a copy from them for November. Never mind. No shout out for Manscaped. Anyway. Yeah, they've been they've been with us for a while. Contract ended in December. You, promo code promo rank rat. Rank rat. I'm sure, it still works. Twenty percent off, free shipping. Manscaped.com probably still works. Um, they're probably not paying us for this one. Hopefully, next one. Bye. It's all good. Anyways, let's get into it. Do you want to start with the Ducks game or the Kings game? Uh. Can I do a quick little do, do I was going to say a quick little uh jackets canes recap I guess of like what sure. how, cause how how we kind of got here just cuz just to go through what happened right cuz we we got we scored like a billion goals against the blue jackets but like I mean I could have scored some goals if I was playing for the blue jackets that night ended up leading to us losing that game whatever the more the bigger story of that situation was that Ilya Samsonov who was in net at the time ended up getting sent down was it new year's day uh yeah, yeah, like New Year's Day or something like that. Anyways, he ends up getting sent down. Um, Dennis Hildeby gets called up and kind of puts us into this interesting, precarious situation here where we go on a Western road trip. We play three games in L.A. We essentially didn't really know who would be our goalie there. It was assumed Dennis Hildeby would get called up. Dennis Hildeby does get called up. Uh, and then it turns out he's not, probably not even going to play, knock on wood, assuming that there's no injury in that. San Jose game now that I'm saying I'm probably jinxing it but uh I mean 
kind of an interesting story of how we got here. So uh, I think that that that's important to like mention and contextualize. And I'm sure people are well aware of this stuff. I'm sure people have kind of yeah. Even though they're aware of it, they probably threw it out of their mind once New Year's hit, got happily drunk, went into the new year, and then was looking forward to that. Yeah, Kings we talked about this on the last episode. Or I talked about this on the last episode, how we got here. Yeah. So it's mainly what happened in that ga- those games, I suppose. I think Carolina yeah. is the funniest one because the Leafs gave up zero goals at five on five. Mm-hmm. In the game, they actually scored the same amount of goals on a goalie as Carolina did, but they still came out with a loss in that one. And that's because Carolina had the empty netter that came before the Leafs scored their second one. Nick Robertson, who had two goals, two goals in two games. He had one against Columbus, one against Carolina. He played against the Kings and then he was a scratch against the Ducks and was replaced by Pontus Holmberg in that one. So, and on top of that, the storylines dominating all of this was that David Kampf was scratched against the Carolina Hurricanes. David Kampf, one of the Leafs' top penalty killers. The Leafs had two power play goals scored against him. Just like that. It's ironic. It's ironic. It's some inter- that led some interesting discourse on Twitter. I'm happy that there was that Samsonov waiver claim, or waiver, sorry, not claim, waiver transaction because it, it quieted down a lot of that. Talk about well, the discourse was, oh, if you want to send a message, bench one of your top six. Mitch Marner turns over the puck. Why aren't you benching him? I saw some um, Nylander too. It was crazy. Like people, just it's oh, it's cool. it's crazy that it feels like the the conversation is always like, oh, Nylander did bad. Well, what about Mitch Marner? Oh, Marner did bad. Well, what about Nylander? It's like yeah, that's, that those aren't the, real It's what it devolves to. It's crazy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's like a political divide. It's insane. Yeah, you bench David Camp because Camp isn't playing well he so sheldon keith actually to back it up specifically said that it was in regards to a uh, a dangerous pass or it was kind of like a hail mary pass that he threw in front of the net against columbus the puck went the other way and adam fantilli scored but so it was like david camp had the puck in the offensive zone he could have just controlled it he could have tried to kill some time he could have tried to go for a higher percentage pass instead of opting for the dangerous one. Instead, he tried to throw it in front. It wasn't a completed pass. It went the other way and Fantilli scored. Here's the kind of funny thing about that. It was a terrible, terrible goal. I don't need to talk about it anymore. I, I said my piece about Samsonov. He, he, he's in, he's shaping his mind. He's going to come back and he's going to be great. However, um, what was I going to say? Oh, my point was they benched David Camp. They scratched David Camp. They benched David Camp. And they don't do that much with the top six. I I wonder why. Hmm. I wonder oh. wonder why. Maybe it's because David Camp can't do shit on offense, <laughs> is defense only. And if you're not playing defense, then what are you doing out there? Marner, yeah. Nylander, Matthews, Tavares can all have bad games. They'll, I've seen them. I've seen all of those guys have bad games and put up multiple points. Yeah, that's yeah. why you put them on the ice. They have more talent in their pinky toe than a everyone that's commenting on them has in their entire body. B probably more talent in their right foot than David Camp has in his entire body. 
it's not to call David Camp a scrub, though the top six is filled with a lot of really good players. Oh, we're going to yep. send a message. All right. I don't know. I think the message was clearly delivered. They played pretty damn well against LA. So yeah. the Carolina game, I will say this. The Leafs had their chances. They were coaxed, I would say, a decent amount into outside shots. But they did have some pretty good chances in that one. Like, think about this. Like, Matthew Nyes on that breakaway. Uh, he had the poke check thrown against them. Matthew Nyes has been all over it the last few games. I don't think he has much to show for it on the score sheet. So if you're looking for a little prop bet against the San Jose Sharks, think about it. how how well did he play against the Ducks? He's he been was on a fire. dog on a bone. How well did he play against the Kings? The first shift of the game, I swear he got a fantastic chance. Yeah, and I'm just thinking of was it the Anaheim game where he went off the post, batted it out of the air, and almost like. Fired it off to like fired a pass off to uh Marner. That I know like, he just Matthews in the Anaheim game batted one out of the air in the so slot. That was, was that not Matthew Nice? Um, he might have. Matthew Nice has Anyways. no points in one, two, three, four, uh, his last four games. Hey, squeaky wheel Zero gets points. the grease. Hmm. Squeaky wheel gets hmm. the grease. If, you, if you're playing bad, no, no, I wouldn't say so at all. If you're looking to bet on him, I think you know where to go. If you look just below me. Uh, you can draft, you can, excuse me, you can bet Matthew Nye's shot props over on DraftKings. You can bet Matthew Nye's goal props over on DraftKings. You can bet pretty much anything for the NHL over on DraftKings. We know hockey moves super fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can get five bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Uh, as I mentioned, they, Against San Jose, if you're looking for a little bit of some prop action, Matthew Nyes might be your guy. But uh, yeah, always shop around. But uh, anyways, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just five bucks on the NHL and get 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK. 467-369 in Connecticut. Help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash DraftKings, excuse me, slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gambling resources nhl and nhl shield are registered trademarks of the national hockey league um yeah yeah matthew nice three points in his last 12 games squeaky wheel gets the grease let's do it um what do you mean by anyways that? i don't think you have that saying proper squeaky wheel gets the grease that would be like matthew nice saying i want more ice time okay or showing no. that he wants more ice time it, his expected what, goals he, are going to line up to his actual Squeaky That's wheel squeaky gets the wheel. grease. So like, he, <laughs> what? He's telling us to bet on him. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's not my fault. I lost my entire account. Matthew Nice told me. Anyways, anyways, let's get into the Kings and uh, Ducks game here. I mean, how do you feel about the last two games, back to back situation? Before we even get into the games, how do you feel about Martin Jones playing in back to back games? Apparently, he did. He actually didn't know, uh, and I think that was actually like a good 
move to like not tell him being like, Hey, you're going to play back to back, kind of assess how he plays that, that night against LA. If he's like, he got a shutout. Right. And like, he, Mm -hmm. I want to say he faced, he faced 23 shots on net. So it's not like he took a a ton of volume there. Uh... 25 shots on net. Um, but yeah, like, yeah. It was only 25. I swear it was. No, it was uh, 31. 31. It was 31. At five on five. That's why it was 31. Sorry. Uh, I'm looking at the five on five numbers. Sometimes gets 31 yeah. save shutout against 31 save shutout. team where it all began. So how do you feel though about him not? Trivia. About- where did Martin Jones go in the draft? He was draft. It was LA. Where do you go in the draft? Like which six round? foot four goaltender out of the WHL? Which round? Yeah. Sorry, asking. Like, yeah. Third round. Undrafted. Wow. Nine hundred plus save percentage. Six foot four. But was not was, drafted. That was that was a trick question because you said he was. You drafted. didn't know anyways. Were you? You said he was drafted by the Kings. <laughs> that was a trick question. That was a trick yeah, question. Sure. How many times um, does that happen? Six foot four, 900 plus save percentage does not get drafted. Yeah. Well, I mean, but yeah, anyways, I'm just curious. I'm curious how you feel about the back-to-back starts here. Do you think it was a smart move not to tell him? I assume the decision was made based on no. how he played. Like. um, To not tell him, that's kind of odd. I think it was maybe they were going to assess how he feels. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And they probably like, said, "Are you good to go tomorrow?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, sure, I guess." Yeah. Um, I don't know uh, because I guess they gave him enough time to do his routine. So yeah, it was maybe not having the stress of oh, I've got to play both games. You know, maybe that was a little bit better. Who knows? That's, there's a lot of ways to think about it. But yeah, the he only was real- awesome in that Kings game. Yeah, the only real downside of playing back to back is like injury concern. And as like as bad as it is to say about like, listen, he's obviously he's not like right now. It's not your priority to preserve the health of Martin Jones, right? You want to win games. That's your priority. And if you feel like Martin Jones starting back to back is going to give you a better chance, you do it. But how many goalies get injured because of the back to back game? Not many play anymore. But why? Why do they not play the back to back anymore? I I've, I always thought there was like data out there that if they, you play a back-to-back game, it's like you perform worse. The team in front of you performs worse. Plus, there's a risk of re-injury. It's like an amalgamation of. Like, I don't know about that. It's you want to get the backup in more, right? That's true. Yeah. So that's where that's my thinking. About. I don't think there's actual physical data where it's like, you know, I I think like if the playoffs were to go back to back, I don't think it would be a good idea. No, unless you go no. into overtime, I don't think it'd be a good idea to then play your backup if they're a lesser goalie. No, I don't, I don't think, think it's don't that think... that big. Unless you go into overtime, because then if you go into overtime, like goalies can lose up to with all of the the lights on you, underrated the lights and the heat in a professional hockey game is crazy. Oh my gosh, it feels like you're wearing an extra weighted blanket on top of you there, but. That's where if you go into overtime or double overtime, even you can lose up to like 20 pounds of water weight. Yeah. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. But, so uh, that's where you wouldn't want to man. But the thing is like, it's, it's Martin Jones. Are, is he our, our horse the rest of the year? No, you're supposed to get Joseph he, wool back. Is he your horse, our now. horse until mid February? Yes. Seems yes. like it. So he's it's a bit like, more of a sprint. Yeah. Like we said before, he's like, 
done it before behind a yeah. good team where he's been acceptable as a goalie, which is kind of all we need here. So, yeah, that was a big takeaway yeah, for me. It was, a while ago. it was a while ago. But, like, they, I think yeah. the Leafs are doing a really good job. The credit to him, he's stopping east to west plays as well. But they're doing a really good job of limiting, like, odd man rush chances. I mean, we've seen a couple odd man rush chances against, and Simone Benoit made a good block. TJ Brody made a good block. We're seeing our defensemen really lay it on the line and and take one for the team, so to speak. But on top of that, when you look at this LA game, his reads were really, really good. There's one that I really want to highlight, and it's where he threw out the poke check. That's a play where the Leafs actually gave up some good passes, some good puck touches to LA there. It went from the slot, and then I believe it went from the sorry, the, the boards to the slot, I believe it was, or near just outside of the slot, and then down low. Anze Kopitar, when he's down low, he's already cutting towards the net. Jones makes a fantastic read there, knows, okay, I'm going from the middle to down low. My momentum's all, all of my momentum is going all the way to the right here. I have almost no shot of taking up that short side and then getting back the other way. That would be an impressive, impressive feat. Martin Jones is not the skater, is not a good enough skater to do that, right? So he realizes that. He realizes that Kopitar is skating towards the middle of the ice as he's receiving that pass, throws out the poke check, blocks Kopitar, eliminates the chance of an actual good shot on goal happening. He diffuses it before it happened. It was a fantastic read, I got to say. And then on top of that, makes a few other really, really good saves in there. Um, a lot of shots from the slot he's been stopping. He's been doing a very, very good job on. So shout out Martin Jones has been way better than I expected. And if the Leafs continue to defend like this, if they're able to continue to limit, you know, passes across on odd man rushes or east to west plays, they're really going to, it seems like they're going to get some more saves from Martin Jones. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they really need to do is just be better in front of him. And just like a little stat that I was looking at, like the Leafs, I think on the year, are like 49% expected goals for just from the month of December on. They're actually 50.44 expected goals, 4%. So they're at least in the positive from the month of December. So it's not that much, but that is, puts you dead middle in the league. Whereas like on the season, they're like 24th, 25th. So signs of life, positivity, like starting to regress back to, I mean, hopefully being a better defensive team than what we've seen before. Uh, the past year, six, past eight games, they've been, or not eight. I guess eight as a collective, they've been much, much better defensively. I mean, they get, yeah. they didn't give up too much to Carolina, really, at five-on-five five at least. Five, power play was a whole – penalty kill was a whole other situation there. Um, the Kings, they did a pretty good job, but Martin Jones also made some good saves there. And then the Ducks – Ducks had a couple chances here and there, but the most that difficult just... part of that game for him was just going extended periods of time between shots so <laughs> yeah and that was that was like the story of the that ducks game is like the onslaught of chances that the Leafs put on it was like yeah it was insane and and doc stall yeah. was his name lucas dostal lucas dostal played great and i mean he, he yeah, had a really was, really good game there i will yeah. say this about la to wrap up la i thought the speed of the leafs really really helped them and how did the leafs score their two goals i thought this was interesting 
And it'll actually bring me into my point that I almost forgot. Thank God I didn't. Turnovers. Off of creating turnovers in the offensive zone. When you look at both of them, like think about this. So it was the first goal. Uh, Bertuzzi chases the player up the wall. I can't remember who it was. Tavares is able to force a, a, a turnover. Bertuzzi then is able to get the puck back, throws the puck out in front to Nylander, actually tips just enough off of Talbot's stick um, so that it was a perfect pass to William Nylander. And boom, Nylander hammers home the one-timer. The second one was Max Domi chasing a player down, and then he's able to start a turnover there. Puck gets freed up. Tyler Bertuzzi, one glove. The, this guy's a, just a, such a sicko. One glove. Playing an NHL game, I'm just going to, all right, <laughs> one glove. Throw it towards the net. Callie Yarncroft's going to chop it in. So I think the, and that brings me to my point. I think the Leafs right now for the past few games, the past, I say a decent stretch are doing a way better job of sustaining pressure in the offensive zone. It's a lot less one and done. I'm noticing they're doing a good job of creating turnovers, whether that be from Bertuzzi, Nice, Tavares, and then he, everyone else pretty everyone pretty much Matthews Marner's been way way I, I don't even know if it was he was not that noticeable at the beginning but I've been because people have been saying Marner doesn't create turnovers Marner doesn't get himself the puck I've been paying attention to it and believe me Mitch Marner gets himself the puck like I I have several I mean he hasn't had a five on five point over the last little bit but what happened the first shift of the LA game? How did that puck get turned over? Mitch sure Marner Mitch out Martin of midair. Yeah. He had several, several. He's, he had a lot over the last two games. But the other thing that I noticed that I liked against LA was how high the F3 was playing. Mm-hmm. The F3 was playing way back to kind of try to, it, it seemed like a more defensive strategy from the Leafs in that one where we're not going to give up that odd man rush because we know you have a lot of players that can make us pay, i.e. Trevor Moore, Kevin Fiala. I'm not, I know Trevor Moore for sure is a rush attack sicko. Um, They have a lot of other offensive firepower that can do so as well, but it seemed like F3 was playing really, really passive in the, or like just really, really cautious in the offensive zone. But the first, the other two forwards were doing a great job of turning over the puck. And even in the bottom nine, like Max Domi's speed was on display. Uh, Bobby McMahon, I mentioned on Twitter, had at least five or seven zone entries with control as well. So I, I really liked what I saw from the Leafs all around in that LA game. Yeah, it's The great. Ducks game. What did you think about that one? I mean, it was it like people... I thought people were like, like I saw people like, no, I don't want to say freaking out, but like going, like, I feel like people were like going nuts. Like, how are we not scoring against this guy? Then the, the, we kind of scored and, and that's pretty much it. Like, I, I thought we had played great that game. Like, I, I don't know, maybe like, I don't know how you, you can come away from that game and not thinking that we played great. Like, yeah, sure. The score was only two. We only scored two goals. We won in overtime. Like, who cares? Like we won. The thing like, was, we, is a lot of we people put up 50 shots. Like it's, yeah, a lot of people were complaining. How do you get 57 on net and only two go in? You're taking them all from the outside. The expected goals, it was on 29 shots at five on That's, five, only yeah. 1.81. Uh, it only equaled to a 1.81 expected goals for. 
a lot of people though, and I'm seeing, oh, not a lot of rebound chances. They had three rebound chances. Okay. That's a stat. How many posts did they hit? They hit three posts. Is that not bad puck luck? What about Ilya Labushkin stopping Austin Matthews on the goal line? That was crazy. We also had six. Is that not six. puck luck? Like yeah. we also the had bounces like six. weren't going your way. The bounce yeah. when bounces aren't going your way, it doesn't always mean off your own foot into your own net. That can mean it hits the middle of the post and doesn't come out. It doesn't go in. Like you're off by how much? Like this much. Another play that I noticed. So it was Dostel over challenged on one play. I believe it was on the power play. Uh, I forget who was at the the point. They fed it to Mitch Marner for a one-timer. Dostal, because he over-challenged, he was not getting over to that one-timer, but Mitch Marner flubbed it. He missed it totally. If he put anything on net there, he had a wide... He, he almost had a wide-open net, and the only thing between him and the net was John Tavares' ass. So, while the Leafs didn't get a lot... I, would I have liked them to get more traffic in front? Of course. Would I have liked them to get more greasy sort of chances of course does that mean that they didn't get chances that they didn't actually generate high danger offense 1000 percent, they did they had so many east to west plays they had a few from below the goal line up towards up that uh they that resulted in a one-timer that didn't go in the net they had a ton of rush off uh a lot of rush offense as well think about william nylander had one rush attack that was stopped on the blocker. One that was a great free from Tavares. Matthew Nyes was all over it as well. Like, you can't sit there and tell me because they didn't get this type of offense that it, oh, that's why they only scored two. Well, why didn't they Why didn't they get more tips on that? Well, we were complaining with it that we're only trying to do that against Florida last year, were we not? Sometimes the bounces don't go your way. If the next five games they put 50 on net and they're only scoring two a game, then sure, something needs to change. That was one game. Yeah, and just to bring it up as well, they got, you said 1.64 something. Yeah, 1.64 goals at five on five. According to Money Puck, I'm looking at Money Puck right now. All situations they have six point six six. Like they were, yeah, that was power play. They, they had were, a lot of power play. Humming on the power play, them not scoring a like them not scoring on that four on three, that five on four into four on that. Five them on not, three, sc- yeah, like yeah, whatever it was. They got to a four on three at some point. Anyways, um, yeah. them oh, not yeah, scoring there was, yeah, it was egregious. Like it was like, it, and they, like you just said, like it was just sometimes puck luck and the way it goes. And like, still played well. Yeah, like you got to give you got to give credit to the goalie, and yeah. I think. um I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Someone on Twitter was talking about how like uh, there were there was that stupid article from the from the Sun today talking about like how random no name goalie oh, yeah, like yeah. yeah like I, I forget I forget I don't I don't even want to like reference it but um shit who was it on Twitter someone on Twitter was like I, I I'm following them I, I forget who it was but they I, I'm gonna scroll through my Twitter feed here and try and figure out who it is but okay. he mentioned that um like he's he was like looking at prospects and he's been looking at prospects for the last couple of years. And he's literally mentioned dust dust out like uh, plenty of times. Peter B P Barracini B A R A C C. He's not an unknown prospect. He's been one of the best goalie prospects. I know. Yeah. Years. It's, he's not like a random guy. So it's like, 
No. It's not like we just got shut up by nobody. Like, imagine how someone feels when Joseph Wall comes. Well, the in Ducks, you know, what the, du- the Ducks way. tweeted out saying like, "Hey, he was NHL Rookie of the Month in October." Yeah, it's so. just a crazy town, crazy town thing. It was a weird, weird article, but it's from the Toronto Sun. What do you expect? Exactly. I mean, the Onion tweets satire, and the Toronto Sun does that. I will say this on that four on three that you mentioned there. Uh, did you notice where Dostel was standing in his crease there? No, I didn't. Deep in his net. But the puck didn't go in. I didn't hear a flipping word. He's not out of the top of his crease. And you know what? The time that he went actually into the white ice, it almost costed him. But why? Why? Why would he do that? A, you need to be able to cover those passes, really, because those passes are going to be whipped across pretty quick. You need to be, give yourself the least amount of ground to cover, number one. Number two, he was square to the puck. He was centered to the puck. And therefore, he stopped the puck. He is big enough to cover the net and to be able to get away with cheating a little bit, you know, being a little bit in his crease to sacrifice having to take the time to go from point A to point B. Just just a little interesting tidbit here, how I have to listen to every single goal. Ooh, he was deep in his net there. Thanks, man. He, the, the, the shooter shot it from the top of the crease, but um, okay. Yeah. So to close out this Western road, like we play San Jose on Saturday to close out the Western road trip back at, back in Toronto on Tuesday against San Jose as well. Weird little scheduling court there, but like two games into the Western road trip, going to close it out against San Jose. Good response by the team. What are your thoughts? Like just closing out these last two games. Oh my God. If they made it difficult to watch a 10 30 PM start and then a 9 PM start <laughs> back to back, you would see a whole other side of me on this podcast. They, they didn't start fantastic against the ducks, but it wasn't like, it wasn't a bad, it wasn't anything like, Oh, like it's not, it was nothing to write about. And if you did, yeah. it's because you're a complete fucking loser. You're I'm fishing, but uh, the, the, the not gonna lie though, the biggest thing of that Western road trip was that locker room broadcast. Little whoever gets the Sportsnet feed had like a treat of a discussion there. The uh, was it the dressing room? Is that what they're calling it? Like, oh, we're the, discussion the about Ryan Hartman. We'll, oh, get, we'll get that into that in a second. But I thought the Leafs came out flying against LA. I, I was really, really happy with that performance. The Ducks won. You know, it picked up steam. They drew a ton of penalties. Uh, the Ducks was a depleted team. I mean, it was a 2-1 overtime win against yeah. a shit team. I will say that. But, you know, yeah. hockey's a stupid sport, as we've yeah. said many, many times. But, yeah, that, the Sportsnet conversation was – it had to do with Ryan Hartman. So, Brendan Dillon cross-checked K- Kirill Kaprizov several times. I believe took him out of the game. Like, he injured him. And so, Ryan Hartman, as a result – on the face-off, um, purposely, he later admitted to purposely doing it, he high-sticked Cole Perfetti, my paisano, in the face, uh, off the face-off. Cole Perfetti is like 20 years old. His, I don't know, I think it's his dad's side, or I don't know which side, but they come from the same hometown as my mom's side. Fun fact. Nice. A brut- uh, in Abruzzo, the mountain people. Anyways... Huh. What were your thoughts? And then it, it was just, led into an 
a little bit of a heated discussion on the sports I, channel. That was I, entertaining. That, I don't understand that, that, people. Are, oh, these two dinosaurs. What are they saying? Okay. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Someone didn't agree with what Jen Botterill said. Oh my gosh. We should go back to then. Everyone takes a turn talking about one part of the argument. Everyone takes a turn. Nobody gets to disagree with one another. That made it so much more entertaining that there was actual passion behind their voices and that they were actually disagreeing with one another. And it came from an interesting point of view from each of them. You know why? Because Jen Botterill, Harvard grad, Canadian Olympian, high-level hockey player right there. Jamal Mears played in the NHL. And what did he do? He was a tough guy in the NHL. So that's where his point of view kind of got to take that into consideration, I would say, right? Do yeah. I think that Hartman should have high-sticked Cole Perfetti in the face-off of a face-off? Absolutely not. I think he should have took an exception to Brendan Dillett on that one. Yeah, but was Ryan a- Hartman's five foot ten. Brendan Dillon's an absolute monster. So that's where I it's mean, an interesting discussion about policing the game and should it be allowed and and it, such. It, I it was just fun. It was I thought it was thrilling to watch, honestly. But it was, uh, it was cinema. Now I, I my girlfriend doesn't really care about hockey, but she like loved it. Thought it was like reality TV. It was a good. It was, it was a good little. Good little, good little piece of content there, but yeah, the, the, the I just think the conversation is just so dumb to be ha- had around like this clip. It's like, bro, like I don't, you can whatever you say about enforcing in the NHL, fine, but like whacking someone in the face with a stick, it's just like that's just like, like not even like a, a not even like a high stick. It was like he fucking swung at him. Like that's just yeah. crazy town. But what are your thoughts time. on what are your thoughts on like instead of someone going after Brendan Dillon? Then I don't even, I think, I don't even know if Nick Ehlers is there, was playing in that game, but say Hartman then takes exception to Nick Ehlers. Sure. Like, honestly, I, 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 eye for an eye. Yeah, maybe, but like also just scrap the guy. Like, that's what the whole enforcer thing was. Like, I, I don't, I don't like the scrap I'm, Brendan Dillon. Yeah. That's Dillon's he, huge. Dillon's doesn't a matter. Big boy. Doesn't matter. And he took out Kaprizov. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Still go after. So is Kaprizov then supposed to go after Brendan Dillon? Sure, if he wants to. He can't. <laughs> I don't know. I that's just what I think. I, I you just don't have to like go after Cole Perfetti. He's like twenty years old. That's just that is crazy. So then, really. is it is your argument then the Wild should have keep someone bigger on their team to to be able to address that? Maybe, but they also do have bigger guys on their team that can't address Ooh. that. It doesn't have to be Ryan Hartman. Who's bigger on their team? I don't even know. I'm sure they have people bigger than six foot. What would you say? Five, five, ten. Ryan Hartman. He's five ten or something. Like that. He's very small. I don't. He's, I don't a, dirty, he's a little bit of a dirty Anyways, player. But... It, it, it's getting like sidetracked. I like. I just think it was crazy town. I just thought honestly, the, my biggest takeaway was that for Ryan Reeves. <laughs> Maybe yeah. We'll take we'll take assets for him. It's gonna cost you though. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that like. I don't know. I think it's an interesting war philosophy. You go after our best player. Okay, we're going to go after your best player. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I just like th- Brandon I don't Dillon's even, I, a decent I don't even know defenseman. If, I don't even know if he's going to send that much of a message. Is it really that much of a shock factor if you go after Brendan Dillon? Yeah, but I also don't think Dillon was out there trying to injure him. Like, but he's cross checking him. 
I know, but everyone does that. It was that. a full like, extension cross check. Everyone, everyone does that. Uh, anyways, uh, it's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I. So then I are we getting that... rid of contact? It's a physical sport. <laughs> what? When did I say that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. What did I say? You that? said everyone cross checks. Yeah, everyone does. Okay. So then, is your strategy then in the playoffs? Brendan Dillon just cross check Connor McDavid round one. Sure. Sure. Um. Yeah. Anyways, there's the Nylander contract update from Elliot Freeman. That would probably be interesting to get into. Let's get into that. Stealing Nick Kiprios' thunder on that was a weird situation there on the panel. But I, I went I went back and looked at uh some contract discussion from some videos from like 20, was it 2017, 2018, when they yeah. were talking about Nylander's contract, like Kiprios talking about it. He's been eerily correct on a lot of stuff relating to Nylander, including talking about him like willing to hold out, talk about the number that he was looking for, and mostly just him willing to hold out as long as possible to get the number that he wanted. So just just to preface and caveat this here, because I like stuck no stick my stick my nose up to Kiprios as like a analyst, because I don't think he's a very good analyst, but as an insider, he does have connections. So I, I will I will give that to him. Hmm. Where are these articles? I'm very interested now. If you just look, if you just type in Nick Kiprios Nylander and you can Google search it and you can go um, from, you can choose a date range. If you just go before 29, I forget what year the contract was. If you do before 2019, 18, maybe it's 2018. Yeah. You'll, you'll be able to find a couple of clips of him speaking on like uh, those older sports net panels with CJ and Friedman and, and, uh, and Kiprios where they had like that insider's corner. It was, it was anyways, uh, He's been very like he it's not like he just is speaking out of his Toshi is, is what I was trying to say here. But he did report that um I think the number that he said on the Kipper and Bourne show was that they're looking 11, at eleven two five over eight years, which is massive. Eight years is massive. But again, you're look you look at that and you're like, wow, that's the same as Pasternak that got paid. Like, is Nylander equal to Pasternak? Who knows? It's a debate for another time. But uh yeah, that, that's where we're at right now. And then Elliot Friedman came out and I don't know if you have the tweet on hand, but Elliot Freeman came out and said it was the 32 thoughts blog, wasn't it? Yes. 32 thoughts blog, Mm -hmm. little busy week, quickie blog. The preamble was about Nylander. And he said, this is a unique negotiation because of Michael Nylander. Honestly, I feel gross writing it because I hate bringing up family when it comes to this stuff, but it is a factor and why everyone is so careful in discussing where things stand. He plays a major role in these conversations and William is very loyal as you'd expect. Again, the key principles are not talking, but there's definitely feeling this will get done done fast if there are four important yeses. Team, player, agent, and family. So, you know what happens when I Google Nick, Nick Kiprios Nylander 2018? What? Uh, oh, this little <laughs> view right here. <laughs> That's a good one. I found that one. It, it was a, a video. I'm like, huh. Anyways, maybe uh, I'll find that other gem one of these I'll, days. I'll, yeah, but um, what were your initial thoughts on it? Because again, Elliot Freeman is like a not a dumb guy, and like I think he words stuff very specifically. The fact that he talked about the four yeses being team, player, agent, and family, mm-hmm. and then the the paragraph before he just talks about we need Michael Nylander to say yes to it to for it to happen. 
That's Look at crazy. That, we need Michael Nylander to say yes to this for it to happen. I mean, like, uh, it feels like there's one domino that hasn't fallen yet, and the other three have. So that's, Nylander's that's my... the other, or sorry, Michael Nylander's the other domino. Maybe, maybe that's the last domino that needs to fall. Maybe he needs to yeah. get the, gets needs to sign off on it here. It is quite interesting, and I mean, during the 2018 discussions, I don't. It was probably rumor based, and it was probably. You know, kind of like how pe- Paul Marner's name is thrown around everywhere. Funny how Brian but, Matthews' <laughs> name is never thrown around, but that's because Brian Matthews has never put his name kind of out there to be thrown around like that. But it is yeah. very interesting that an insider is writing in in a like an insider well, blog yeah. mentioning Michael Nylander and it being in the same paragraph as William Nylander signing a contract. It, it's it's not like, a, oh, Michael Nylander, is Michael Nylander holding back the Leafs? Is Michael Nylander, does Michael Nylander, did Michael Nylander hold out from the, the dad's trip? Find out more. It's more like, a, hmm, I wonder why that's there. And I have no answer for that. But it's quite interesting, I would say. Yeah. Um, it's it's worth noting i will it's i think i think it's also like showing that there's urgency to get the deal done as well like clearly and i think like if you're like if you're nylander's agent i think you want to get the deal done now too because it's not like this like this could easily be an outlier year for william nylander like obviously he's a great player but is he gonna ever score at 116 point pace again like maybe but that'd be like very that's not a very easy thing to do right so um yeah, uh, seems like there's there's urgency here, which is pretty. We're talking in the summer, like is if if William Nylander wants ten, do you that walk feels... away? Yeah, like... <laughs> now we're up to eleven. But we're I'm at 11. the I'm at the point where I don't care about dollars and cents. Just get it done, and I'm happy. Like I done. I said off the hop, I think Reinhardt should like based on Reinhardt and Gensel seasons, those guys should have been paid been paid more based on their previous season this year is different now because william nylander is the best playing the best of the three so far but i think based on like previous years and i don't know i just thought i would i thought a bigger nylander guy over gensel and reinhardt at the beginning of the season i definitely was over nylander over reinhardt beginning of the season yeah gensel's a very good player i had i had gensel nylander reinhardt I, i believe but um yeah okay I remember that episode we did. How much is Nylander worth? I did Nylander first. Yeah, fair enough. That's okay. fair. That's like they're all so close, obviously, and they and yeah. they should be making all in the same range. And if not, then that's a problem for us. So, um, I can't wait for Nylander to sign for eleven two five, and then Reinhardt to go back to the Cats for like eight. Yeah, it'll be. And really then Gensel signed for like six. I it'll cannot wait that for that happens. because just because it's Toronto, it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh Lord Almighty. Anyways, um, yeah, Michael Nylander, an interesting little tidbit in there. I don't think it's really holding anything up. No, I don't think so either. I think this deal will get done very soon, from the sounds of it, at least. I have no information on it. We would think so. Anyways, um, let's go into the needs and wants and what is attainable. So, I guess let's start with our like. I don't know. That just that was a horrible transition for me, but um. Yeah, I guess needs, wants, and trade deadline talk, right? Mm-hmm. I think before we even discuss any targets or who's available or who could be available, it's important to talk about 
what this team needs in its instance right now, right? Because you need to contextualize things. What do we need? Like, what do we desperately need at the deadline? What do we want? What would be a, what would be considered a luxury? What is attainable? And what, how we're going to define what is attainable is we're going to take a look at our asset pool, look at what we traded last year, look at what we have this year. And I mean, we can kind of use last year as a barometer. We got in four, four players, traded out five players, five roster players, traded out two. Is there a way we can do something similar this year and and uh, using this similar capital to what we used last year? We'll, we'll get into that in a bit here. Let's start with the needs first, though. What is your, let's say if you had to pick one thing, not not one thing, but what do you think that the like non-negotiable least need to make a trade for X position? What are those positions or po- position? Defense. Defense. 100%. Just one. So get, don't, don't like, let's not just go, let's go a little deeper than just defense. I agree. I think okay. defense is two, important. Two top four defensemen. Two top four defensemen. There, Two that's perfect. So I think, I think that's a great, great place to start here. That we need to need at least, at least two top four defensemen. Um, right now, I'm do- warming up to McCabe being able to be a right side guy. I mean, yeah. I going into last year, I remember my analysis of it was I watched, I made sure to watch a game where he was playing the right side, even though it wasn't too often in Chicago. But I saw him play the right side, and I was quite impressed i mean he doesn't handle the puck stupendously but he handles the puck well enough to be able to play the right side and look comfortable on the right side so that's been kind of interesting and i i think like ben was been his partner he, he doesn't have kale mccarr as his partner out there yeah like ben was been his top four partner so far and i think he's been he's been looking okay ben i will say this i've been giving him a lot of heat from the start of the year till now He's been way above my expectation. Again, I don't, he shouldn't be in the, going into the playoffs as he's in the top four. That's an issue. If he's in the top six, I don't really mind it. I think he defends really, really well. Some other issues to his game, but he defends really, really well. Hey, you know what? This guy's been fighting too. Like, you see that split hand against LA? Yeah. Nails. Absolute nails. Absolute nails. And like, yeah, no, I agree with you. I love, I love, Benoit's play like he's been serviceable I'm seeing people the call in for him to get resigned I'm okay with that like he seems like the perfect seventh defenseman for this team sixth defenseman even but we have a lot of let's call it talent on the back end not not high-end talent but low-end talent <laughs> just guys better than him on the roster that's it um how many two maybe in the bottom in the bottom six like other than the I don't know anyways we, They're playing Benoit more than Giordano right now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, what I mean, what I meant to say is like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, let's get back to needs and wants, though. Uh, right. My mind is my mind is scattered right now. So like two, uh, two defensemen. Sorry, you you non negotiable want two. So defensemen. number one is you need a, a right side right pair for right. for Morgan Riley. Let's say let's it call needs him a to two. be a pair for Morgan Riley. One hundred percent. A two or a top four? It would be a a two. Two. So a, a two two top pair right right defenseman. And then you would also want as well, potentially uh ideally another... you want two. I don't think you you have the budget for it this year. I okay. wonder TJ Brody has not been good this year. He looks not good. He has been playing terribly this year. I wonder if a move to the left side helps him out 
like you do Brody McCabe again, like you did last year. I know, but that didn't work in the playoffs. Okay. TJ Brody also couldn't pivot in the playoffs last year. There's a reason that a guy that was playing right side for most of the year, all of a sudden in game five, do or die is now playing the left side. Ever thought about that? He was injured. He was very injured in that playoffs. So maybe doing Brody left side, McCabe right side. I wonder how that looks, if that could help Brody out a little bit, but definitely need a pair for Morgan, uh, for Morgan Riley. You could say, oh, but what about Lilgren? And then that could push other guys down kind of thing. Uh, like putting Lilgren up there and then, mm. you know, and then you're not really relying on this new guy to be a top four right away, so to speak, depending on who that is. Right now, I don't like Sheldon Keefe has not has only been putting Logan Riley together when the Leafs are down a goal. They haven't he hasn't paired them together to start a game in a while now. And I know it seems like this year, oh, it's always McCabe, um, it's always Riley Brody. It's always Riley Riley Brody. When you look at the minutes played together for Riley Brody last year, because they were both injured at separate times but also because they they were split up. They were split up mm-hmm. a lot last year. Yeah. Right? So it's been interesting to see that Keefe has not split them up at all this year, but we'll see. I definitely, 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 minimum, you need one top four defenseman. Yeah. I think you're I, doing I, a disservice to this team, not adding a defenseman going into the playoffs. I'm seeing a lot of people, this team just doesn't have it. They don't have it. Well, what's the deficiency on the team? What's the deficiency? It's the defense. Your offense is way better than what you ha- is performing way better than last year. Don't you think that maybe if you add a top four defenseman, a guy that plays 20 plus minutes a night, that you could like it could really, really help the team? Because right now, your top four is Riley. Okay, sure, playing like a top four defenseman. Brody, absolutely not playing like a top four defenseman. McCabe, sure, top four defenseman. And Simone Benoit, who's playing above his head right now. Right? Yeah. Bottom line is we don't want to have to rely on like on Benoit playing like meaningful minutes for us in the playoffs. So I agree with you. Top four defenseman is non-negotiable. Two top four defensemen would be good. It's possible, My, but what, I don't think that's possible. If that's possible, and then I would also say at the very at the very least, I agree with you though, two defensemen. And I would actually also like to throw in a bottom six forward at the minimum. If we're gonna talk about needs, I do think like mm-hmm. we need an upgrade in the bottom six. Like it's not doesn't have to be a massive upgrade, yeah. but just just based on the merit that like Pontus Holmberg has been been coming he in for, for Nick Roberts last night. Like that's exactly right. Point. So shows shows that we're not a hundred percent confident in our bottom six. Like we still kind of have some yo-yoing with those guys so let's how, get, how many minutes did uh, max domi play last night your third line center 10 i'd say 948 that's crazy town so yeah like we need more confidence in the zone on one of the goals but going into the la i think actually after the la game had eight points in eight games so offensively he's been there mm-hmm. but Sheldon keith hates him so yeah so I think those are fair needs. We're we're gonna say at the very bare minimum, we need at least two defensemen. Hope ideally top four. Let's call one a two, one a four, and then if not that, at least a two, a five, or a six. 
mm-hmm. defenseman speaking, and then a, a competent bottom six player. Let's call it that, right? I think those are fair, fair needs. Wants, on the other hand, I mean, I could go, I could go buck wild here, and I think it's fair to because last deadline, I feel like it's fair to say we acquired uh six. Let's call it, we we acquired a top four defenseman. Let's call him a three four in Jake McCabe. Is mm-hmm. that fair to say? We acquired a. Yeah, he was. He's a. He's a three four. That's exactly. We, we, exactly what we said. We acquired a five in Luke Shen, right? Yeah. Who kind of played over his head, but that's that. That's whatever. We acquired acquired a legit top six player in Ryan O'Reilly, and we acquired a bottom center, six, a center more specific, top six center. That's true. Yeah, top six center. Like I, I'd argue, like a one, a one center, a potential no, one center. Not a one. Come on, a one on a one on a losing team. Yeah, a one on a losing team. A one on ha- a one on half the teams in the NHL. Um, not a one on our team, That's obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we a, a tops a legit top six center, and then we got also got a bottom bottom six forward who's like competent two ways, like was sufficient. Like let's call him a sufficient. So I don't think we have to even make that big of moves to fill out my wants because my wants would be. Really? A border, a, a top. Let's call it a top nine player instead of a bottom six forward. Just like a skilled top nine player to play on your third line and give you more confidence, and then two top four defensemen. Those are my wants. Like I, I, it falls in line similar to these needs, right? Like I don't think we need to revamp everything. So, um, yeah, I think those are fair wants and needs. People want to no, they're share very their, fair. People want to share their wants and needs with us. I think that's a good, good little exercise. I feel like the the need, the most important need is defensemen. It would be such a luxury to go after some forwards here. Just to like kind of go on a tangent here. There's a I, I was looking at the athletic trade board. How much do the does the athletic trade board mean? I don't know. I'm sure they just throw names on the list. But there are some there are like a couple big name forwards on here that I would like give an arm and a leg for. Mainly Andre Kuzmenko is on this list. I now now listen, now Vancouver Canucks seems to they seem to be not scratching him as much as of late. He was being, he was a scratch. He for got them. scratched tonight. He got scratched again. He scored he like two goals. He scored like two goals, two games ago. So like, listen, if this guy's fallen out of favor, that that is someone who I would be all over. Then on top of that, they also have Jake Gensel on this list, which is, I mean, two very sexy names. That would be like instant, instant must adds for this team. Um, and in like, a, it'll be interesting to see what the market is for these guys. So, uh, just two guys on on the, the athletic board that like would be more needs than wants for me, but uh, yeah, let's go. Let you want to take a look at um, who's Lil the other Shida? one you had on there? Gensel, Jake Gensel. UFA. Pittsburgh's been doing pretty well recently. Pittsburgh, I don't think yeah. they're parting with him. Uh, I mean, a lot can happen between now and March, right? Yeah. So also, if, dro- if if Pittsburgh's not in it, oh, they lost the. <laughs> If Pittsburgh's not in it going into the trade deadline, but they're close, I don't know if Kyle Dubas is really. I don't know if Dubas Nation is really going to be selling there. I think he's going to be, you know, not buying, but like keeping. I don't even know what they have to trade anymore, but I think he's uh, going to be Gens- keeping Jake strong. They, they beat the Bruins tonight. Okay, that's 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 not good for us. But yeah, the, the chances of him getting. Anyways, just. Pie in the sky talking about like uh just throwing out some names that I saw on this big mm-hmm. board here. And then uh let's talk about what is attainable and like what assets we have to move off of. So I sent you a list of um I guess a list of assets we traded out 
to get our player to get the players in that we got here. We made a ton of trades last year, and kind of yeah. what I did was went through and looked through all of them, and and uh, kind of at the trade deadline, if we traded a first for Rasmus Sandin, excuse me, we traded Sandin for a first, but then also traded a first for Ryan O'Reilly in 2023. So I kind of canceled those trades out, right? Like those picks are canceled out here. What we got in was Nolachari, Ryan O'Reilly, Jake McCabe, who was signed for longer, two million by three years. Luke Shen. And well, then a bunch McCabe of other was retention. Got, he was retained. Yes, two mil yeah. by th- by three years. So that's huge for three. Yep. He was retained for all those years too. Like that's yep. that's insanely good value. Then then we got like Luke Shen, and then obviously Gustafson, Lafferty, who are kind of like nothing, and then Josh pillar who like whatever what threw him through his name on the list because he he was he was yeah nothing but anyways we traded out Engvall and Sandin so I'd argue like a, a, a bottom a, a, like a middle six player in, in Engvall traded out Sandin who's like a pros like a, a I, don't, I don't know not a pro I don't, promising I don't know if young called. defenseman yeah like a promising young defenseman uh Joey Anderson Gogolev who cares uh and for basically a first and two seconds that's that's what we that's what we traded out here so we actually like just in hindsight looking at what we gave up. We gave up a first and two seconds in this, um, in this in these trade in, in these trades to get what we got. So it's not gonna it doesn't like from this perspective it doesn't seem like we'll have to give that much. The problem is when we get down to what we actually have, right? We only have one two first round picks over the next three years. We have our twenty twenty five pick, which was we don't have our twenty twenty five pick, which was traded for um, Jake McCabe, I believe. Mm-hmm. We do have our 2024 first. We do have our 2026 first. So uh, the equivalent of what we paid for, rough equivalent of what we paid for in getting those guys, it's basically two first round picks. So are we like, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is with this here is, are we going to be able to have a massive, is it worth it to have as massive of a haul as we had last year and giving up essentially the next three years of drafts? Cause you're going to have, you're not going to have a first round pick this year. You're not, or a second round pick this year. You're not going to have a first or second next year. You'll not have a first or second the year after that. So the likelihood of us trading a first round pick is low. The likelihood of us trading two first round picks is like incredibly low. So that kind of brings me to what else do we have to offer? And I went through the athletic and t- took a look at, um, I believe it was Corey Pronman's NHL pipeline. Um, just who, just the top players under 23 on the Leafs who are projected to be NHL players. That's, that's kind of the baseline I put for these guys as like, these guys, I think, could all be let's call them tradable assets. So we had six players who were at the very least uh lined to make the NHL. Matthew Nyes, who in my opinion is untouchable, Easton Cowan, who I believe is also going to be untouchable. He was just drafted. Dennis Hildeby, uh, who I think also probably would be untouchable with our goalie depth right now. Um okay. you don't you don't think so? I, I listen, I'm fine trading it, but like it doesn't make sense for the team. Would a team want a goalie? Like, is that like have we, we don't really see like prospect goalies moved at the deadline that often. No, like, I think all. Devin well, lies. Just an asset, in my opinion. Yeah. I don't know. But like, I, I don't think, I think NHL teams will probably value goalie assets less because they're harder to read than a player, than an actual player asset. Right. Maybe. Is there so, ever a track record of goalie prospects? Philip Gustafson got traded multiple times. <laughs> so that's Devin Levi got traded too. No. Devin Levi got traded really early. That is a really yeah. funny one. There's so, a clip floating out there of me saying that that he's a C-level prospect at the time. That was funny. But to my defense, he 
hadn't played a game. He, he played seven world junior games that year. So yeah. Anyways. Yeah. And went seventh so, round the year before go on. My apologies. Yeah. All, all I was going to say is we kind of have three players who I think are like considered prospects, like borderline prospects. Nicholas Robertson is like, what is he? Is he a prospect? Kind of has NHL games. So that's one guy. And then obviously Fraser Minton is another guy who I could see us potentially trading. And then the last guy would be Toppy Nemo. So those are the, the three kind of key assets that would probably get moved if we were to deal someone. What is their value? I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But um, it's 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 a precarious situation that the Leafs are in here because we need to fill that that top two defenseman role. We mm-hmm. don't have like... We, we've looked back and looked at like what defensemen cost. Like we, we're not going to top out on a first for some of these. Some of these defensemen that are available aren't the best. I don't think they would require a first. Problem is we don't have a second. That's the... That's the frustrating part here. So I don't know. Finicky part. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I don't know if a trade is going to look like us giving a first and receiving a second. I don't know if a trade is going to look like giving just prospects. I don't know if it's going to, we're going to do something like we did with, uh, what's his name? Nick Ritchie, where we traded a 2025, like a a pick that was four years out as a condition. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. Right. So I feel um, like though, Going back to what you said, I know I brought that up a few episodes ago where you trade the, the first round pick and you get back a second. I yeah. feel like you would not be getting back a 2024 second. It would be a 2025 because there is the chance that this team that is selling, they're trying to tank. What if they end up like 32nd? Yeah. Or 33rd, fair. I guess, right? Or 35th. And your pick is 25. Like it's, it's, it's a lot of variance. I feel like to kind of try to mitigate that and the team, the other, the team that's selling off, hopefully they're trying to get better the next year, you know, that they, they give you the next year's pick so that it, you know, dumb guy math. Yeah, no boy math. I feel that. But also like as, as just least perspective, you take that because you have no picks in the first two rounds in 2025. So you take that. Oh Um, yeah. A little interesting quirk there of how, how many draft picks we've burned through on this team? Uh, yeah. A lot. A lot. A lot. So, yeah, I guess that kind of is like a state of the nation, state of the union, where where the team is at asset-wise, who they'd be willing to yeah. give up prospect-wise. We can go. We could go into like, I don't know if I call them B-level prospects, but like other prospects. But like we could just sit here all day talking about like these guys, just like it's just it's just reading names off a list, right? We don't yeah. know how's, how it's going to happen. The biggest thing and the most important thing, and I can't believe I didn't even mention this, the biggest asset and most important asset that we have is cap space. So that is That's a massive true. thing. That is something that is like, That's we need to one. fill that out. We need to fill that out. We need to fill out the, the yeah. cap space. So having that so. cap space now, you're not going to have to ask a team to retain, retain. on a player. And that's going to reduce the amount that you have to give for them. Like just as an example, you mentioned him today, I'm not saying, Hey, we should go get him. Anthony Duclair. He was a captain from Florida to San Jose, obviously not having the best year, but if you trade for Anthony Duclair, say just per se, you trade for Duclair, you trade for Monaghan, you trade for whoever, and you don't have to get the other team to retain on that. How much is a bottom six player unretained? Like that's gotta be that's gotta be worth not that much, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't think. Like I'm just looking. Nemesikov went for like a fourth, a 2025 fourth. He's an okay player. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like. So it's an interesting thought. Yeah, there, there's 
you could like like one of the needs I mentioned was the bottom six winger. You could get you could get a bottom six forward for like like you said a four. So there's like there's definitely options here. And just looking at the team, let's put putting the team together here. Just gonna like kind of put together the guys who are playing right now. Just organizing this quickly here. We have three point three million dollars in cap space with Ilya Samsonov in the minors and us carrying twenty three players. Excuse me, twenty two players on our roster. So we have 3.3 million cap space, including LTIR. Like uh, if you were to include LTIR uh, space, um, yeah, 3.3 mil is what we have available. And if we're able to move off Samsonov, we got like 5.5 mil, 5.7 mil available. So a lot, a lot of space, a lot, a lot of space. Move off of him. What do you mean by that? If you're able to like trade Samsonov, if you don't, if you don't see him working in your system, he's not going anywhere. I don't I'm just, I'm just trying to contextualize that. The only place people. he's going is maybe Robodive. Like, oh wait, how, is 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 a goalie a need? How do we not mention that? <laughs> is a goalie a need? To me, it's not like, the highest of highest needs. I mean, I'm rolling the dice on Wool coming back. Okay, it's a want then. I suppose you could put it as a want. Yeah. Or a luxury. I, I feel like want is bad. Needs and luxuries. But like, think about this. Like, so you have Jones playing well right now. I'm okay with running him. I was, oh, hand up. I was so wrong on Samson on finding his game versus Jones 900. Oh my God. That's got to be a all time <laughs> bad one right now. But, but like, think about this. Are you okay with? Wool coming back and being good after this injury, or you're rolling the dice on like Mackenzie Blackwood. There's no guarantee Blackwood works. There's no guarantee yeah. Kakin works in Toronto. There's a chance both could be great. There's also a chance both could be lousy and you've given up assets for a nothing. Right? You've yeah. given up assets and now you have Jones. Well, Three goalies is not actually that absurd. A lot of a lot of teams are doing that this year. A lot of teams. So a lot more than usual. If with Martin Jones making eight seventy five, it's not that crazy to have. No, like Wall Wall and Martin Jones equal a backup goalie. What a backup goalie gets paid, basically. (laughs) Even like, even less. Less. Yeah, so they're making like one point six together. Yeah, (laughs) it's nothing. Crazy town. So, yeah, Anyways. I think in terms of the goalie, want, like, I don't think it's a need. I think it's like, a uh, yeah, if you had like 19 picks, then sure. Yeah. And it would de- really, really depend on who it is. But right now, my biggest concern is defense. And then, yes, as you mentioned, the bottom six also can use some work 100% if you were to be a perfect team. But, I mean, like, think about this. Like, last year you had Powerhouse Boston. Like, Tampa Bay was also still a very, very good team. Both those teams lost players. Like, a lot of players, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Boston right now is first in the East, right? First in the East. Who are their centers, one of their top two centers went to the World Juniors and had three points. Yeah. 
Right now in Daily Faceoff, it's Morgan Geeky, Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick, and Georgi Merkulov. Yeah. Who are you taking? <laughs> the Leaf Centers or Morgan Geeky, Charlie Coyle, and Trent Frederick? I realize they have Pasternak and Marshawn. Jake DeBrusque is less than a point every other game. He's on. He's in their top six, by the way. Pavel Zaka is hot and cold. He's whatever. But I don't know. Just saying. They're yeah, a good defensive yeah. team. I'll give them that. I love McAvoy. I love Lindholm. I love being able to put them on two separate lines. Carlos is a good defenseman. Grizzlick's a good defenseman. They have a very, very strong decor. But come on, man. Yeah. You cannot tell me you're going into a playoff series with Geeky, Coyle, Frederick, and Georgie as your as your centers, and you're feeling all that confident. I have no idea who they would get either. It'd just probably be Lindholm and that's it. But uh just based on who's available. Well, Elias? Yeah. Can they afford him? No, no idea, but like fuck man, like it's bleeding. Let's look at the other top team right now. In the Atlantic Division, the, the 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 Florida Panthers, like they're running pretty hot. Forsling, Aaron Ekblad, Nico Mikola, who was not traded for very much last year, Montour, Ekman Larson, Dmitry Kulikov. That's not bad. That's actually better than the Leafs have. Oops. Um, top six, they have Bennett at center. Don't love that, but Kachuk and Verhage on either side is great. Rodriguez and Reinhardt on either side of Barkov. That's not bad. Yeah, they look a lot bad. The issue was with t- Florida. So I thought they would start a lot worse than they did. And they blew expectations out of the water for me. It, that looks like it, a not bad team. Yeah. Florida, Florida is the scary team, I think, in, in our division. So, yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a solid team. Yeah. We got, we got homework, though, for that. next week, though. Got to come back here. Got to come up with our trade targets. Going to talk big game, big defenseman. Thoughts? Yep. Ready for it? Thoughts? Yeah, thoughts on uh, doing that. On who we're on who, who just just at? yeah just let's let's get let's get a list of defensemen for next uh, next episode right. and we'll. Uh, fire, I did fire one analysis here. on a whole last defenseman that just to realize there's no shot in hell that the Leafs are a going to touch him and b he wouldn't fit and. Yeah. Yeah. But Fair. anyways, we'll take a look know. at the trade board. Take a look around, take a look around the league, like and just compare what the Leafs have to what some of these other playoff teams have before we say, "Oh, this team, the Leafs, they suck. They're only third in the Atlantic right now." Before you say like before giving up stuff. Hey, we didn't even answer the question. What are you willing to part with? Right now, what's your budget? Because we just asked uh, the question, oh, this is what we gave up last year. That's This yeah. is the equivalent. Would you be willing to give it up? What's our My budget? Is, no. I don't think Trey Living will do it. I don't think he'll yeah. give up a big haul. I don't think he's going to let that first-round pick walk. So that makes it a lot more difficult. I, and, I do. and who is who, who does that mean goes if you actually want to upgrade? I think, like, you got to look at Fraser Minton. Yep. I, I think, like you said, uh, I'm okay with moving three, even all three of them, Fraser Minton, Nicholas Robertson, and 
and uh, Toppy Nima. If the, like I don't even know if those guys have value, what their value would be. Not if they yeah, have value, what their much. value would be around the well, league. But yeah, I'm I'm okay with parting ways with those guys, and I'm okay with parting ways with the, this year's first if we get a next year second. I'm not worried about our um, cupboards that much because one, you have value in Matthew Nyes, which is massive. You have value in Joseph Wall, which is massive, right? You have. Oh, okay, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, you, you know what yeah, I mean. Like, sorry, well. contract value. When I'm thinking, talking about rookie mm-hmm. contracts and like sm- smaller deals, like there's only so much space you can have for those guys to come up and fill in. So, if I don't think they're going to be a game breaker, I'm I'm okay moving on with them, moving on from them because we're looking to compete over the next couple of years. And I think this was like a, a a misstep on the org was like not being willing to move assets, those kinds of assets, prospects, I guess. Uh, when when you don't have space for them at all, I guess. Yeah, a lot of I guess you give them two games, they stink, and then you have to move off of them. I will say this: I don't think Robertson. I again, we've said we've talked about him a bit, what his value is. I don't think Topi Nimala has that much value. Definitely not a second round pick value. I think probably fourth, probably a fourth round pick value right now. That's just like how many teams are clamoring for a five foot nine defenseman that is 22, 23 years old 21 and is yeah. like not putting up eye popping numbers in the AHL, but it's yeah. doing all right. 17 right? points in 27 games. Yeah. It's, like that's not bad, especially your first year in North America. I think Topi Nimala has some good assets to his game. Watch them moves pretty well, moves the puck. Well, okay. Pretty good on the power play, but like, how many teams are clamoring for a five foot nine defenseman? He's six. He's six feet tall, according to uh, according to not, yeah. hockey DB. Yeah, just, he's six just, feet tall and three 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 inch lifts. So yeah, that's just uh, my piece. I think right now Cowan and Minton are like like your Cowan Minton and your twenty twenty four first round pick. We have the yeah, 24 first round pick. 24, correct. Are your assets of greatest value? I wouldn't move Easton Cowan. I like him. Um, I'm hesitant to move the 2024 first round pick. So what does that leave you? Fraser Minton. Fraser Minton. So maybe as as you mentioned, I'm okay then with 2024 first for a 2025 second. Yeah. Right. That's, so what that seems that, like what it would have to be. Think about this. What could that bring you? 2024 first, Fraser Minton for a player and a 2025 second. I feel like you could get like probably a lot for, for that, just I based on so, what yeah. we based on what we got, like rental wise, based on what we got last year, you could probably get a good 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 yeah. player for that. And I'm not to I'm, that's not to say I don't I think Fraser Minton will be an NHLer. We're praising him because we're saying he's a valuable player. asset. Like, this is a praise. Like this isn't like a a shot. Exactly. Right. Like you have but, to you have to trade someone. I'm sorry. I what if we make no moves? Are you okay with that? Not really. No, I, that that'd be unacceptable. You have a window right now. Yeah. You have a window where you have Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares. All of that could get shot when like like John Tavares is still playing very good hockey. Like, what if one of those guys gets injured next year? They're out for the year. Like, you have a window. You have to try to punch it in. You have to put yourself reasonably in a good enough spot to punch it in. If you're just wasting a season, 
I don't know. Like, look at like Florida made a run last year. Anyone can make a run if you have talented players. Florida didn't buy at the deadline because they were way, way out of the playoffs. So I think you need to add, at least add a little bit, right? Give yourself yeah. a chance in the yeah, playoffs. I, I, I just think it's it's it would be a not good decision to not do anything when you have some of the best forwards in the league on your roster. Yeah. It'd be doing a disservice to them, if anything. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Your top um, six this year is way better than last year. Also, remember that. That's important. Yeah, that's a great point. So, yeah. Anyways, California road trip has started well. We have no idea if we'll ever see Dennis Hill to be in the Leafs net. William Nylander looks to be getting locked up for a shit ton of money. But when you account for Canadian taxes, he's actually middle class. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. And what are the Leafs going to do with the deadline? We'll see. We'll keep, we'll keep asking these questions. We'll keep trying to give answers to them. But thanks, everyone, for listening. Go Leafs, go.